What is up, profitable public speaking listeners? Mark Berti here, and mindset is everything when it comes to winning on stages, when it comes to getting on the stage in the first place. So this episode is going to be all about the speaker success mindset. We are joined by a guest who, she is a speaking coach, trainer, and author of Presenting for Humans, Insights for Speakers on Ditching Perfection and Creating Connection. Our guest mentors purpose-driven business and nonprofit leaders to deliver memorable and engaging presentations in order to promote and grow their organizations. Our guest who joins us for this episode is none other than Lisa Bravewit. Lisa, welcome to the show. I always have to start by repronouncing my name. It's Braithwaite. <laughs> I try. Braithwaite. You know what? Very rarely do people get it right, um, you know, right up front. So good. nice try. Nice try. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully the show goes better. But anyways, it is a pleasure to have you on Profitable Public Speaking. And the mindset is everything, uh, as I mentioned in that intro. So I know you do coach a lot of people on this type of stuff. So how do we get our mindsets right so that we can get on more stages and dominate? There are several things that I work on with my clients uh, around their mindset, and they may not be the things that your listeners expect or are, are thinking of right off the bat, and more experienced speakers may have different mindset issues than more beginning level speakers, um, but I'm going to start with the basics, and the, probably the most basic thing that I think uh, more kind of beginning and less experienced speakers have to change in their mindset is, is saying get to instead of have to. And what I find is that you, whether you love speaking or you just tolerate it, you know it's part of what you need to do for your, your business and you know one of the things you have to do in your marketing toolkit, a lot of people say I have to, and they look at it like, oh, I have to, you know, I have to give this presentation. I have to blah, blah, blah. It's a, it's a have to, it's a chore. And so I try to remind people to shift that around to, I get to speak. I get to give a presentation and remind them or have them list if they've never thought about all the various benefits and possibilities that come from being on a stage or in a boardroom or in a conference room or whatever we're calling a stage, right? Cause you know, stage is one thing. And uh, uh, you know, I just call everything a stage and let me, I'm sorry, let me close this thing cause it's making a sound. Okay, I'm back. Uh, so that's really the first place that I begin is the mindset of, all of the benefits and possibilities of getting up on stage, whether it's getting your message out to a wider audience, whether it's getting to practice your speaking skills, whether it is learning how to be more articulate, more concise, more compelling in your messaging. There, I mean, there's just a long, long, long list um, of benefits and possibilities. So that's really where I begin with less experienced and kind of beginning level speakers. And I mean, public speaking, there are just so many different areas to talk about. And then it's just a matter of which one makes the most sense. So it is good to, you know, look at yourself and see, 
first, you should look to you know improve your presentation because if you focus on gigs and you can't crush it on the stage, then you're not going <laughs> to get as many gigs in the future. That's going to leave a dent on your record. So you want to be able to better articulate yourself then build up to, okay, let me get a ton of gigs. I'm confident in what I'm talking about and then continue to build on. And Lisa said something really good, get to versus have to right away. Because I feel like with the speaking schedule, it's like I have to submit speaking gigs to get on stages versus I get the ability to submit speaking gigs and get on more stages. And uh, yeah. part of uh, being successful as a public speaker is going through that constant rejection, but still <laughs> being able to power through and Let's submit Let's not say a lot. constant. Let's not say constant. Let's say occasional. Occasional okay. rejection. Occasional rejection. Okay. So occasional. with that in mind, how do we power through that? Because especially for a new speaker where rejection is just more common since you don't have as big of a portfolio, how do we get through that stage? Well, uh, another, another mindset issue that I do like to speak on is cultivating resilience. And I do a lot of, um, you mentioned my book, Presenting for Humans, available on Amazon. And um, I use a lot of athlete analogies when I talk about speaking. So even if you're not an athlete yourself, you've probably watched the winter or the summer Olympics. You've watched figure skating, you've watched gymnastics, you've watched um, the, the sprinters, the fastest men, in the, men and women in the world. Things go wrong, right? A figure skater falls on his butt. Um, uh, um, a relay, uh, you know, one of the relay runners drops the baton. These things happen even in the elite levels of sports. But what you are never going to see those people do is sit down on the sidelines and start crying and complaining and saying, I'm never going to do this again. This was terrible. I hate this. I'm never going to do this again. So we need to manage our expectations about speaking. First of all, you're never going to be perfect. There's no such thing. You are going to make mistakes. You are going to forget your place. Uh, you know, random things are going to happen in the middle of your presentation. And that is like, uh, I don't know how many people um, of your listeners uh, watch the Tour de France. My husband and I are big fans. We've been watching it for 25 years or something. And um, I like to say that crashes are part of the race and screwing up is part of speaking. And if you ever watch the Tour de France, you know there's a, there's a, that's a three week long race and there are easily 10 major crashes. So if you're a cyclist and you say, oh, I made it to the Tour de France, but I'm not gonna go because I'm afraid I might get in a crash. Like nobody does that. So resilience, um, managing your expectations about speaking, knowing that things might go wrong, preparing for it and letting it go, letting it roll off your back. Um, like, you know, like water rolls off a duck's back and just move on to the next thing. Yeah, and I mean, the sports analogies, I feel like a lot of people do connect with those. I mean, when you figure out something, a lot of people can connect to it is something you do want to include in your talk also, because you connect with the attendees on a deeper level, but going back to the connection made in this episode, I mean, people mess up. Uh, you see the successful public speaker, but you don't see what that person had to go through to reach that status of actually becoming a successful speaker. Right. And one of the things that comes up often is this free versus paid speaking gigs. <laughs> and 
when it comes to a speaker success mindset, is it more important to uh, just go for more gigs or just focus more on the few that are going to pay you? It depends where you are in your career and where speaking fits into your business. For me, speaking is my business. And I think what happens out in the world is say you're, um, say you're an accountant, you know, and your business is accounting and you do taxes for people and things like that. But you want to use speaking to promote your business. So you may speak at conferences, you may speak at local luncheons, lunch and learns, you may have really cool things that you can teach people about accounting. Ultimately, what you're trying to do is get people to come back and hire you for the thing that you actually do. So when speaking is a tool to grow your business, you may not be as focused on getting paid gigs. It's not as big of a deal unless that is actually your goal to become a paid speaker. But if you wanna be a paid speaker, then you have to spend a lot more time on your speaking, on your content, on your delivery, on your audience engagement, on your mindset. So if you wanna be a paid speaker, uh, then there's a lot more that you have to do. And now you're looking at speaking as an end um, in itself. So there, there's, so I said, depending on where you are in your business and how you use speaking in your business. So I was kind of referring to how you use speaking. If you're using it as a marketing tool to market other things, you may not need to focus on paid speaking. Likewise, if you're just starting out, get a lot of practice because people won't pay you if you're not, um, I don't want to say proven, but it helps to have some testimonials. It helps to have tested out your material in front of audiences first. So test things out, uh, use free gigs to test pieces of your presentation, maybe not even the whole thing. Maybe you have an hour you know, that you could deliver at a conference, but you only get 20 minutes at a local, uh, local networking event. Use it. So um, when it comes to being a paid speaker and speaking is actually in itself a part of how you make money in your business, that's a whole other area. And I actually wrote an article about this the other day. It's on, if, uh, if y'all find my LinkedIn or my Medium or my Facebook, um, I, I wrote an article about this. And this is, in particular, it was for women. So this, I'll say this specifically to the women in your audience. It also goes for men too. Men and women are both asked to speak for free. But in particular, women's organizations, women's conferences and women's events expect women to speak for free. So the article that I wrote was, if you're an organization that claims to empower women, don't ask women to speak for free, pay them. That's my message to women's organizations. Um, in general, there, there's, um, it's complicated. If you speak, if you're a member of an association, they may expect you to speak for free. We tend to do that when we're a member of an association, we will give our time for free. Um, so again, it depends where you are in your career, <laughs> how you're using speaking as a tool in your business, whether it's a marketing tool or whether it is an end in itself to make money and whether or not you're uh, uh, more of a beginner or more experienced. I hope that was all clear. 
Yeah, I mean, a lot of it is just getting clear on where you are. I mean, there are some people who they're more focused on, you know, just getting paid to speak. They speak at high schools and colleges where you're not going to sell from the stage. But then there are other right. people who they will pay $10,000 to be on a stage to speak in front of people who will buy their $2,000 things. So there's so many different yes. ways to look at it. That's a good point. And that's also something that I didn't touch on, that sometimes it's worth it to speak for free if you are allowed to either sell from the stage, but you have to be really careful about that because that can get annoying really fast if you don't, if you're not skilled at being subtle in your selling. But yeah, if they're, if they're gonna allow you to have a table or a booth where you can sell your, your books or your products, I know a lot of people who make more money on the back end than they do um, in upfront payment. So that's a whole other area of negotiation when you're, when you're looking at different kinds of speaking engagements. Yeah, that's a really great point. I mean, knowing where the money is for your business, are you getting paid exactly. by the person to speak or are you making a bunch of clients at the event? And yep. I do feel like there are some things that all speakers have in common. I think the big one that is obvious is just this, like, you know, reaching out to a ton of decision makers who can get them on the stages. So. I'm wondering if you could share with this, like, what are some of the basics for like just being able to find those decision makers, reach out to them, build relationships and get on those stages? There are a few ways that I do this. Now, I will say, first of all, that I'm not a keynoter. Um, so I'm not looking for main stage speaking engagements. That's not my thing. My thing is corporate training. So I am more likely to be in a conference room doing a day and a half of training with a company like, uh, like Microsoft or like some you know, uh, nonprofit. That is really my sweet spot. And then I also do like conference speaking. I like doing breakouts at conferences, especially if I get paid um, and especially if they actually pay your way. So speaking at conferences is also tricky because sometimes they want you to pay your own way there you know, pay for registration of the conference and speak for free. So you always have to sort of um, analyze who's going to be there. Is this your target audience? Are they likely to hire you? Are the decision makers in the room who might hire you for something else? For me, I do a lot of relationship building. I, um, I'm getting much more into LinkedIn than I used to be. And because I find that a lot of my individual coaching clients are there and my training and speaking clients. So I am constantly touching base. Um, the thing about LinkedIn too is that, you know, you, you build visibility there, right? You build visibility and you build a reputation and you build credibility as an expert by posting articles and by sharing value with your connections on LinkedIn. And the more connections you get and the more you share these things and the, you know, the more you're connected, then the more your name will pop up and, and will say, you know, people you should know, and then people connect with you. So I do a lot of reaching out and connecting with people who are mutual connections on LinkedIn. Um, I also let people know that I'm always looking for referrals because just because, uh, you know, one of my colleagues speaks on customer service or leadership, um, that doesn't mean that we're not necessarily in the, in the same ballpark in terms of desirable speakers for that company's conference or events. So 
you know, I put it out there to people I know, hey, let so-and-so know that if they're looking for some follow-up, say they're doing a branding seminar, and I just said, was talking to somebody about branding today. So many people go and they learn about branding, and then they go and they put all kinds of pretty colors on their website, and they, they uh, you know, make graphics, and they do, uh, you know, they make cool memes on Instagram. How is, are they branding themselves as a speaker? Are they getting on stages and bringing that brand to live audiences? So there are a lot of overlaps. So it's about talking to people. It's about reaching out to people. It's about being visible um, on, on the web. So a lot of us love to sit behind, and I know you said a lot of your audience are content creators. Uh, content creators love to sit behind our computers and make stuff. Uh, you know, that's what I was doing all morning. I was working on my freebie. I was upgrading my my opt-in and, you know, making a better registration page and, you know, making new graphics. And that's super fun for me. But people have to see you as a human being, right? If you want to be a speaker. So another thing you can do is shoot video and make short videos so people get a sense of who you are. Post that in places like LinkedIn. And then you can say to your contacts, hey, I just made this great three-minute video with a couple of, um, uh, you know, really great tips you might be interested in. And just share. Share your stuff. Share your free stuff um, so people get to know you. There's that know, like, and trust factor when people see your face and hear your voice that doesn't always come across in the content, um, the written and visual kind of content that a lot of us are creating. And uh, Lisa brings up a really great point of using video because when people hire someone to speak on their stage or they just choose you, they want to see that you have past speaking experience. And sometimes when you are starting out and you don't have the stage time yet, you can say, check out my YouTube channel, check out my LinkedIn videos where you can demonstrate the ability to talk about a topic for a certain amount of time. That's why I like doing a lot of lives also because not only does it polish you as a speaker, but it just shows like, hey, I can speak and I can do this skill. Yeah, and I want to add one other thing about that, um, that you can, even if you have some little speaking gig that's not a big professional gig, have somebody hold your phone and record you. Mm -hmm. I, because of the fact that the vast majority of my training is in private corporate conference rooms, for years, I did not have video, and it was really hard for me to get video. And so I started ha asking, you know, hey, can you hold my phone? And or you know, obviously you can also bring a tripod. I mean, in the beginning, I was asking my friends, hold my phone and record me. You can bring a tripod, and in a subtle way, you can set up your tablet or your, you know, your phone to video you. Um, and uh, what I did a couple years ago was I had a speaking engagement that I knew was going to be in front of a good, you know, 100 people. And, um, and it was out of town. And so I hired a videographer in that town to come and videotape my whole, it was like an hour and a half. And I thought, you know what, this is a pretty professional, it's a public, I and mean, what I guess what I'm trying to say is a more public gig. It's not like in a private conference room somewhere. So I got permission and I had um, a videographer come hmm. and video me. And it's not super expensive to do um, for a short, you know, a 20 minute thing or something. But again, you can always just use your phone, get video however you can, 
because especially if you do a lot of small um, small group private things like I do, I mean, I've been speaking for 27, 28 years. I still have very little video. And yes, a lot of, a lot of um, organizations that might bring you in ask for video. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. Even if you just have to like pay that extra expense to have someone do the video for you, it is well worth it because yeah. uh, you get to show people obviously like what you're made of, but that could also be repurposed into other pieces of content. Like one speaking mm-hmm. gig could turn into like five YouTube videos. There's so many directions you can go with any gig and having the video just allows you to go in all those right. different directions. Videos, articles, webinars, um, you know, five day challenges. I mean, you can take one presentation, you can expand it out into, you know, a day and a half of training. You can condense it down into, as you said, you know, five, five minute videos and, um, and written and written content, eBooks, blog posts, little memes, little quotes. I mean, yeah, you know, the list goes on of all the things you can make from one presentation. I have a coach, uh, my business coach, who doesn't put anything out unless she can repurpose it in at least three ways. Wow. It's a really good rule to to live by. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a good rule. I mean, repurposing, we go on and on about that because I mean, it's just like such a valuable concept. You Put in little work and you're on all these different platforms. It's definitely something really good for everyone to be doing. Another really good thing for everyone to be doing, uh, Lisa has a book, Presenting for Humans, and that book will be in the show notes. I do recommend you check out Lisa and her work if you enjoyed this episode. Uh, So I'm wondering, where can we go to keep following your work and journey? Uh, Thank you, Mark. And I wanted to mention that that book is a repurposed um, version of my blog. Ah, I I had 1500 posts on my blog before I wrote that book. And I finally got together with a book coach because I knew I wasn't going to pull it off myself. And that book is repurposing of about 60 posts that were revised and updated and, you know, made uh, cohesive for the book. So that was one of my big repurposing wins. Um, You can find me at coachlisab.com. That's my website. And then I am all over um, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn are my primary places. And usually you can find me under Coach Lisa B at all of those places. And my book is on Amazon, again, Presenting for Humans on Amazon. And I do have a freebie. If any of you do uh, like to speak at conferences or would like to speak at conferences, um, this is, I was, you know, as I said, refreshing it today. But um, if you go to coachlisab.com, it's right on the homepage. And it's a, a template that you can use, that you can populate with all of your information. And then every time you go to fill out a um, speaker proposal for a conference, all your stuff is in one place. It makes it really mm-hmm. easy to, again, repurpose your information for many speaker proposals. All those links will be in the show notes. I mean, that template just sounds like something you got to go ahead and grab. But I mean, Lisa, thank you so much for coming on Profitable Public Speaking. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much.